Magavanin and Suilai to all my elf friends. I am Tani Tenuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth elf. Welcome to What Would Arwen Do This Fair Morning, Wednesday, August 19th, here in the Shire, broadcasting from the University of California at Irvine. And that wonderful music that you are hearing in the background is the Academy Award-winning music of Howard Shore. That is Concerning Hobbits. Before that, we heard the Council of Elrond, both from the Fellowship of the Ring soundtrack. So, welcome. Oh my gosh, the elf has been up late (laughs) and up early because of... I'm just so excited with what I'm going to be sharing with you today about mindful listening. And if that sounds too esoteric, it's really about what being mindful and intentional about what we let or allow or choose to bombard our brain with, including music. And lately at work, most of the time we play nice kind of gentle rock and roll, upbeat kind of music. And because it's that kind of a shopping atmosphere. And but I find that I get home at night and this song that because they play these um, satellite loops, there'll be certain songs that'll just be in my mind, stuck in my mind. And I think I don't want that song stuck in my mind. So normally I listen a lot to chants or uh, instrumental music or yoga music. And it hasn't been enough because I'm a linguistic being. So words get stuck in my mind. And a lot of time music that has words are the things that get stuck in my mind. So I've had to consciously choose some other songs, some songs to ingrain into my mind to kind of wash out and replace those other songs. Now, the other songs aren't inherently bad. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just that they're just playing over and over in my head. And especially sometimes when it's love songs and you're just, it's like, okay, I am not singing. (laughs) I do not want to be singing the blues today about the guy who left me. Um, you know, thank you very much, Adele. But, you know, I just don't want to be have that playing in my head. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. This is What Would Arwen Do? And I am Tani Tanuviel. We are, and I apologize if someone is calling, I can't answer the phone right now because I'm the host and the engineer and the phone answerer. So please uh, call back when we are playing some music This is a show where we ask, I ask, if a Middle Earth elf lived today, a Middle Earth elf as in J.R.R. Tolkien, The Hobbit, The Lord of the Rings, The Silmarillion, if she lived today, what would her life look like? How would she celebrate and support music and art and creative expression and caring for the planet and being healthy and things of that nature? So those are things that elves are all concerned about in addition to having time for meditation and walking under starlight and contemplating the beauty of a flower (laughs) and loving each other and at times having to go out on the battlefield and defend our right to be free. So 
Today, I want to preface this by saying I'm not saying that there is not a place for aggression. Uh, in in on some level, we have to have some aggression aggression just to get out of bed in the morning, rather than just staying there in that nice, warm, soft, peaceful place. And I'm not quite sure about violence. I'm pretty sure, though, that violence has no place. Although I will say, if I was anywhere, even as a mother or even just as a person, and there was a child next to me, and someone was rushing up with a club to hurt this child, I would step in. <laughs> and so, of course, the first thing I'd love to do is yell stop and hope that they would. But if not, I would have to participate in something to protect the child from being attacked. And it's kind of one of those things that you work through in life. And I'm all about <laughs> about peace, trying to find more peace in the world and in my own little world. As much as possible, I like to create an environment of peace, but that's not always possible. Sometimes you go someplace or even you're just bombarded with it at um, shopping centers or malls or certain types of stores, or even you pull up next to someone at a stop sign and they got the big rap thing going and their cars vibrating. And <clears throat> so... You know, where is the, I don't really want to say balance because I feel like we're already out of balance toward the aggression, violent side, but how do we come back into finding a place, the proper place for anger, expression and violence and aggression, that type of thing in our lives, in the everyday world and in our relationships with others. So that's kind of our topic today. It was triggered by something that happened yesterday. And I would like to also say, if you'd like to contact me, I would love to hear from you, especially on this subject and topic of violence in music and whether or not you have noticed that if you listen to violent songs, it tends to make you more aggressive. So we're going to talk a little bit today about some studies and about this. The show will go up on podcast. This is probably going to be at least a two-part show because this is really a topic that is very dear to my heart. And it is dear to my heart because you, whoever you are who are listening, you are the beloved. And you might say, yeah, right, roll your eyes. I can already see it. But the fact is that I do, I do believe that that is true. And I'm sticking to that. So how do we be the beloved in the world? How do we learn to be kind to ourselves? So you may know that I am the yoga elf. I believe that the elves were doing yoga before it was called yoga because the elves predated humans, at least in Middle Earth. And so as a yoga teacher now, I haven't taught for several years for various reasons. You know, a lot of it just schedule and driving around all over the place and um, needed to just kind of have a break to work on things myself. But and I wasn't sure if I would actually go back to teaching. I've, I've thought about it. But yesterday, something happened in the yoga class that I went to. <clears throat> one of my favorite teachers, but I'm going to call her Linda. And this is a yoga class at one of the big studios and they do teacher trainings and all kinds of things like that. 
And at the beginning of the class, she was welcoming us and saying hi. And she said, oh, an interesting thing happened to me. I don't know if she said yesterday or a couple of days ago that she um, was getting together with another teacher trainer. So that's someone who trains the teachers that will be teaching in your yoga classes <clears throat> that you attend. And she said that uh, this other teacher was so excited because she had a new playlist. And so Linda said, oh, well, send it to me. I'd love to hear it. And so she did. And my teacher said, oh, it was so funny. She said, I put it on and it was all rap and hip hop. And I thought, oh, well, not for me. And of course, <clears throat> we all just kind of laughed. But as I thought about it, I thought, wait a minute, really? What does this, Im what does this imply? Because for me, as a linguistic being, and I, I learned a little bit about linguistics in my coaching training, as far as you know, words are powerful. The words that we say to ourselves, the words that we say to other people, the words that we internalize. And in yoga, I learned about mantras, the power of repetition of something. So mantras can go both ways. In fact, yesterday, my teacher said at one point when we were <clears throat> just trying to settle into the class, and I think she noticed that everyone is still kind of rushing, you know, in their mind, maybe or in their bodies kind of rushing. She said, maybe just say to yourself, relax, relax. Relax. Let that be your mantra this morning. Relax. Relax your shoulders. Relax your jaw. Relax. <clears throat> and I was thinking how mantras are very powerful. The words we speak to ourselves as well as the words that we speak to others. And these mantras can be very relaxing or a mantra can be very aggressive. <clears throat> you know, if you're saying to yourself, fight, fight, fight. Or maybe you know people like this who it seems like their whole life, they're always, they're always fighting. They're always trying to stand up for themselves and stand up for other people. And <clears throat> but they're, they're just constantly on the defensive, it seems like. And they've created an environment like that in their lives. And it kind of follows them around wherever they go. And a lot of times when you come in contact with someone like that, you kind of you know, you kind of back up a little bit to uh, so you don't get blown away uh, just from that kind of aggressive type of um, environment that that person carries with them and sometimes creates or brings into situations. I mean, maybe you've been in business meetings and you've noticed someone that uh, tends to kind of raise the the whole volume of the meeting goes up a little bit or the intensity in the meeting goes up a little bit. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. So, but for me, <laughs> as a yoga teacher, and as a person who wants people to realize that they are the beloved, and to remember that one of the things in my yoga classes was that I wanted to create a sacred space, um, you know, a place that was peaceful and accepting of people wherever they were, whatever their limitations were, whatever they had going on, and encourage them to kind of leave that at the door and just take a little hour, hour and a half vacation from all of the things that run through their minds all the time. And we can actually choose, and sometimes we have to choose and practice, choose and practice at doing that, at leaving the world and all of its concerns at the door and just coming inside and connecting with the breath, connecting with your movement, noticing where you have tension, letting it go. 
So taking some times to love ourselves and love our bodies and to practice not being critical, not, not saying, oh, I'm so inflexible. Well, perhaps that is a mantra that you have in yoga class, and maybe it's one that you need to let go and choose something like, oh, I'm becoming more flexible. I'm becoming more flexible. So those are, th- those are really good things. That is not the topic of this um, show. This show is about mindful listening and about just being mindful and intentional and aware of those things that you take into your brain, that you take into your deep consciousness, and whether or not those are producing the type of thing you want to express in your heart and your mind and in the world. So for me, the idea of hip-hop music, even if it was hip-hop music with uh, nonviolent lyrics, uh, that would probably be that would be something, but then there's the thing of association. So I remember this one time I was, this was quite a a couple of years ago, I was in a yoga class and we got to Shavasana, which Shavasana is the final uh, relaxation state after you do all these physical postures and you're moving and breathing. You finally get to lie down on your back and just enjoy the benefits of your hard workout. And so it's a very receptive state. You've just let everything go. And I, in my yoga classes, I, the entire playlist was very intentional. The music was really about creating an environment and creating a receptive place. And so whether it had lyrics or whether it was just instrumental, that was always my intention. So anyway, I'm laying in Shavasana in this class and it's a young teacher. She's, you know, and she's, the, there was kind of a little bit of pop music in the class, which I'm fine with. But then we got to Shavasana. And all of a sudden, here comes <clears throat> uh, Neil Young singing, I'm wasted and I can't find my way home. And I'm thinking, what? I'm wasted and I can't find my way home. And I'm laying there. I'm quiet. I'm in this receptive state. We all are. And we're listening, internalizing over and over to ourselves I'm wasted and I can't find my way home. And I thought, oh my gosh. So I actually had to kind of tune out the music with some internal, uh, something to kind of um, replace that. Sometimes I just replace the lyrics with other lyrics in my mind when I hear stuff. Um, But I thought, oh my gosh, everybody in this room is internalizing this mantra of I'm wasted and I can't find my way home. And it's to music and it's, you know, it seems kind of soothing, but um, anyway, so if you are a yoga teacher or if you teach uh, or even just in general, think with intention about the music you use, the music you use for anything, driving your car, teaching your yoga class, playing for your kids, <clears throat> cleaning house, you know, with, around the house, just be intentional. Think about it and say, you know, is this music serving me? Because music is really, really powerful. So the other part of that was of my teacher, Linda, not her real name, saying, oh, you know, this, it, this new playlist that this teacher trainer had uh, that was all hip hop and rap. And I'm thinking, 
Okay, the sub-story here uh, is that this is a teacher trainer who's training other teachers, and perhaps, you know, she's probably sharing her new hip-hop playlist with the people that she's training to be teachers. And then I thought, oh my gosh, if I went to a yoga class and it started and it was all hip-hop and rap, I would just have to leave. Not because I'm judging it or I think it's wrong or anything. It just doesn't work for me. It simply doesn't work. That that particular beat, um, a lot of times I can't really understand the lyrics, so I wouldn't be trying to hear it. Anyway, I would just... It, it, that would not be a way for me to create a sacred healing space for myself. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I wonder now if I'm going to start going to yoga classes, you know, trying different teachers and going to different yoga classes. And now I'm going to be um, having a lot more opportunities <laughs> to encounter a yoga class that, apart from the music I might have loved, but when the music was brought in, it became an unpleasant environment that I would not want to remain in. So there are some other uh, studios where I'm pretty positive that that wouldn't happen. But at this one studio that has many locations and is quite large, you could, I could show up to your yoga class and it could be all rap music. So how would that work for you? <laughs> I'm curious. And you can email me at askanelf at yahoo.com a-S-K-A-N-E-L-F, askanelf at yahoo.com. I'd love to hear your take on this. For me, and I, I think the teacher was saying, well, you know, people like that. And, it, you know, they want to bring the music that they like into their yoga practice. And I completely can honor that and respect the desire to do that. For me, I like to use my yoga class to have a break with that stuff even my own stuff. It's like I, if I don't want the music that I'm driving around in my car uh, to, you know, I don't want my road trip music in my yoga class because I'm not on a yoga, I'm not on a road trip and I don't need to be, you know, powering down the highway. <laughs> so, um, so this really kind of was something that yesterday I was I just kept thinking about it not about oh my gosh am I going to show up to a yoga class and have to deal with hip-hop but it was just about this thing about the musical environment that we create for our lives and again this kind of had come up because there's been a couple of times where I've come home from work or even the next morning I wake up and it's this song, you know, welcome to the Hotel California. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. And I'm thinking, do I really want to be playing that or allow that to be playing in my head over and over? And if not, what do I do? How do I not have those things playing in my head? Because I can't choose the music that's played in my work environment. So I'm there a good eight hours a day. And again, uh, the music is very unlike the music here at KUCI because those playlists all come from, you know, well-established musicians and artists. And so when you work somewhere, it's like a CD that keeps playing over and over again. The people coming in and shopping for a while, they hear a few songs and then they're gone. But for those who are working there, you're hearing that same loop over <laughs> and over again. So... 
I am Tani Tanuviel. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You are listening to What Would Arwen Do? We are talking about musical intention and mindful listening today. And I want to share with you. So I want to just remind you also that the views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the Elf host and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of UCI, KUCI, or the UC Board of Regents. So as I mentioned, this will probably be a two-part show. I'm hoping to have a guest on next week. I'm going to play a little music for you. And when we come back, we're going to hear a little bit from the American Psychological Society, the American Pediatric Society, and from two books. One's called Music College, Music, Musicophilia, The Love of Music, and another one called Your Playlist Can Change Your Life. So I'm going to play a little song. Actually, just a, I'm going to play a little bit of Anagama. Now, this is a, a CD that and a group that I do love to play in my yoga class. We're not going to hear the entire track because it's about 30 minutes long. But in this, there, this particular track, I'll read from the, the CD cover, a relaxed heartbeat drum rhythm accompanied by the sacred mantra, so be it, draws the listener deep into the healing power of Mother Earth. So... There's another one, Shamanic Dream 2, that has a wonderful track that is just, the background is Om Shanti, 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 which means peace, peace, peace. So this is just, so be it. Just letting go of what we think the world ought to be like and releasing it from our expectations and just say, so be it. Just, you know, as the Beatles reminded us, let it be. So let's hear a little bit of Anugama, and this is from their Shamanic Dream CD, and I will be back in just a few moments. This is KUCI in Irvine, the best radio station in the history of the universe. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I am Tani Tenuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. Welcome back to What Would Arwen Do? And you have been listening to Anagama Shamanic Dream, the first track, So Be It. And we're talking today about the intentional music, intentional listening, intentional, mindful internalization of not only music, but words and language, linguistics. And of course, J.R.R. Tolkien, who is the inspiration for this show, was himself a linguist. He understood the power of words. When I first went to see the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, which I very much internalized, I did not even discover, really discover that movie until March of 2002 when it had a little resurgence at the box office because it won several awards, including Best Music, 
best soundtrack. And <clears throat> over the next month, actually it was into early May, I saw it in the theaters. <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but 28 times. Um, because it, and it was, it was not just a movie. It was a period in my life of big transition. I was struggling with my, f my Christian faith. As far as the Christian faith that I had at that time, I still am a Christian, still in love with Jesus, still in love with God. But the theology that I had adopted at that time was not working for me. And it was right after 9-11, and here we were going to war, and Christians were saying this is a good thing, and torture was a good thing. And I was thinking, no, 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 this cannot be what Christian Christianity and following Jesus is all about. And when I saw the movie... I fell in love with the elves. They embodied everything to me that was good. Um, they were brave, especially Arwen. They were brave. They had a sense of humor. They protected others. And they also had a command of speech. Their magic was not like hocus pocus magic. It was an authority over the elements. In the movie, Arwen calls up the forces of the river to wash downstream the ring wraiths, the nine riders who are very powerful. In the book, the scene is still there, but it's Glorfindel. So calling up the elements of the river, that is a type of magic that is really an authority. And so I thought, yes, <laughs> and fell in love. So hence my very long journey of my life as an elf. But this morning, I'm talking to, to you about that because of the power of words. And just as a little reminder here at KCI, you don't have to worry about hearing the same song over and over again throughout the day because we only play non-mainstream music. We are very happy and delighted for all of the artists and musicians and songwriters that are making it big and being able to support themselves by their craft. Um, but there's also a lot of people out there, uh, independent people that are making great music and writing great songs, and we want to introduce you to them, as well as public affairs shows that you won't hear on NPR or other public radio. I don't know if there's another show on that's hosted by an elf relating to um, Middle Earth and if an elf lived today and... Anyway, there's also Writers on Writing, which will be coming on in 20 minutes, one of my favorite shows about getting published. Friday, Weekly Signals, Film School, amazing, amazing shows. Get the Funk Out with Janine on Tuesday. Ask a Leader with Claudia. Wonderful shows. And you can find information about this show and all of our other shows on our website at KUCI.org. And coming up in just a little over maybe about a month from now, we will be having a new DJ training where if you are a student, faculty, or staff of, KC, of UCI, you too can get involved with College Radio. So more about that will be on our website in a few weeks. So I shared in the first part of the show about how my yoga teacher, Linda, had shared that another teacher had sent her her new playlist for the class that she was excited about, and it was all rap and hip-hop. And this is a person who actually teaches teachers. So at first we all laughed, and then afterwards I thought, oh, you know, I'm not sure that 
that would not work for me just to go to that class. And so it got me thinking, though, about music and about how um, it affects us. And so I did a little Google search. We love Google uh, on music and violence. And the first articles that came up was from the American Psychological Association. So this was a uh, peer review article published in the American Psychological Association journal in May of 2003. And it says, the title of it is, Violent Music Lyrics Increase Aggressive Thoughts and Feelings According to a New Study. And you can find this right online. There's also the original journal article, uh, which is called Exposure to Violent Media, the Effects of Songs with Violent Lyrics on Aggressive Thoughts and Feelings. And it's a PDF. But the subtitle says, Even Humorous Violent Songs Increase increase hostile feelings. So songs with, this reading from the article, songs with violent lyrics uh, increase aggression related thoughts and emotions and this effect is directly related to the violence in the lyrics according to a new study published by the American Psychological Association. The findings, appearing in the May issue of the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, contradicts popular notions of positive catharsis or venting effects of listening to angry, violent music on violent thoughts and feelings. So, in other words, it's saying that, you know, there was kind of this popular notion that, oh, well, I'm just venting. I'm just getting it out of my system. And uh, this particular study shows that that's not the effect of violent music on you. So you're not actually venting. In a series of five experiments involving over 500 college students, researchers from Iowa State University and the Texas Department of Human Services examined the effects of seven violent songs by seven artists and eight nonviolent songs by seven artists. The students listened to the songs and were given various psychological tasks to measure aggressive thoughts and feelings. One such task involved participate, participants classifying words that can have both aggressive and non-aggressive meanings, such as rock and stick. To control for factors not related to the content of the lyrics, the violent and nonviolent songs were sung by the same artists and were in the same musical style in three of the experiments. In the two other experiments, the researchers tested the arousal properties of the song to make sure the violent lyric effects were not due to differences in arousal. So this is a really, I mean, this is a real scientific study. And the interesting thing is that Okay, results of the five experiments show that violent songs led to more aggressive interpretations of ambiguously aggressive words, increase the relative speed with which people read aggressive versus non-aggressive words, and, inc- and increase the proportion of word fragments, such as um, H, underline T, that were filled in to make aggressive words, such as hit. The violent songs increased feelings of hostility without provocation or threat, according to the authors, and this effect was not the result of differences in musical style, specific performing artists, or arousal properties of the songs. And now, listen to this. Even the humorous, violent songs increased aggressive thoughts. Even 
the humorous, violent songs increased aggressive thoughts. So why do I say that? Well, I think we all like those little funny songs. There's a country song by Carrie Underwood that um, I used to think would get a big kick out of. And I'm glad, though, that it doesn't play on our playlist at work and have it running through my brain all the time because I might think that that kind of behavior is okay. So the song by Carrie Underwood is called Before He Cheats. And one part of the lyrics, it says, Because um, he don't know, I dug my key into the side of his pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive, carved my name into his leather seat. And then it goes on to say, maybe he'll think again next time before he cheats. Well, it's a funny little song, but here we are internalizing. And yes, maybe sometimes we want to do that to someone who treats us badly. But what is that, what is that doing to our internal dialogue, to our, the thing that we think is okay? And it's, interesting. This is a true story. I was talking to someone once at Bristol Farms and we were in, in the store. We were standing in line and um, it was, I think it was during the holidays. We were talking, about, oh my gosh, the parking lot is crazy and people are so aggressive. She said, yeah. She said, actually, I just parked and the woman next to me got out of her car and said, you know, you're parked really close. And I said, well, it's okay. I'm not that close. And she said, well, you know, I do have a key here. Meaning that she could was going to, you know, she might key her car. And I th we both just thought, oh, my gosh, people are so um, aggressive and with a tendency towards violence over parking spaces and parking and parking too close to someone or taking their parking space. I have a key marked down the side of my car. It was there when I got it. It's a quite an old car but there's a, a big long scrape down the side of my car now I don't know if it was made with a key or if it was something that the driver originally like ran up against it looks more like a, a keying but I don't know hopefully it wasn't but again it's just aggression so you're driving around in your car and you're hearing Carrie Underwood for about the fourth time singing you know I put my I um I dug my key into the side of his pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive. Maybe that's having an effect on you. Maybe it's having an effect on the way you deal with your children. And um, so it's kind of interesting because, again, it's all about being mindful of the music that we internalize. And, gosh, we're getting toward the end of our show, and I'm not even... There's so much that I haven't even covered with you. I want to share a little bit in our last few minutes from two books. And we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to definitely talk more about this next weekend. Next week, I haven't even gotten to, to share with you the uh, findings from the uh, American Pediatric Society. But from a book by Oliver Sacks called Musicophilia. And this is from a little chapter called Music on the Brain, Imagery and Imagination. So it has to do with involuntary musical Im 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 imagery. <laughs> so keyword involuntary. So it says one sort of involuntary musical imagery is related to intense and repeated exposure to a particular piece or sort of music. I tend to fall in love with a certain composer or artist and to play their music over and over almost exclusively for weeks or months until it is replaced with something else. 
I do that all the time. There's certain CDs that just are kind of like the soundtrack of my life right now. In the past six months, I have had three such fixations, one after another. The first was on Janicek's opera Janufa after I'd gone to hear a beautiful performance of this directed by Jonathan Miller. Things from Janufa kept going through my mind, even entering my dreams for two months, reinforced by my getting CDs of the opera and playing them constantly. Then I switched to a profoundly different experience after meeting Woody Geist, a patient who sang for me some of the music he performed with his a cappella jazz group, The Grunions. This intrigued me, though I'd never before been interested in this type of music. So it goes on to tell a little bit about these different um, things that he uh, listened to. Okay, it says, um, what they do is share the fact, what they do share is the fact that I've bombarded my ears and brain with them, and the musical circuits or networks in my brain have been super saturated, overcharged with them. In such a super saturated state, the brain seems ready to replay the music with no apparent external stimulus. Such replayings curiously seem to be almost as satisfying as listening to the actual music. And these involuntary concerts are rarely intrusive or uncontrollable, although they have the potential to be so. So these are like involuntary concerts. You know, I don't know about you, but even for me, pieces of music, if I stop and think about it, I can hear them in my head and it's beautiful. Uh, the meditation by Thais is one of those. Goes on to say, in a sense, this type of musical imagery triggered by overexposure is the least personal, the least significant form of, quote, music on the brain. We are on much richer, much more mysterious terrain when we consider tunes or musical fragments we have perhaps not heard or thought of in decades that suddenly play in the mind for no apparent reason. So that indicates that it's deep, deep, deep down in your unconscious. That was my comment. It goes on to say, no recent exposure, no repetition can explain such tunes, and it is almost impossible to avoid asking oneself, why this tune at this particular moment? What put it into my mind? Sometimes the reason or association is obvious or, or seems so, and sometimes not. So again, that's a little excerpt from Oliver Sacks' book, Musicophilia, and it's a fascinating book. There's actually uh, a chapter in here called A Bolt from the Blue, Sudden Musicophilia, where a person was hit by lightning, and right after that, all everything else was fine. In fact, this guy was a cardiologist, um, but he developed this intense love of music. He became obsessed with piano music and writing it and playing it. And he, whereas before he had had no interest. Interesting. Very, very odd and very interesting. For my last thing that I'd like to share with you before I leave you today is from a little book called Your Playlist Can Change Your Life. 10 Proven Ways Your Favorite Music Can Revolutionize Your Health, Memory, Organization, Alertness, and More. And this is from a little excerpt here from putting together your playlist. So I love this. And actually, I think many people may not realize that if you have music that you play all the time, then you actually do have a playlist. You may not have intentionally put it together. Maybe someone put it together for you. If you're listening to mainstream music, they definitely did. We even put it together for you here, but not with all that repetition, hopefully. But 
the repetition can actually have very beneficial effects for you. So here in the little um, chapter on how to use music to make your mind flow, there's a section called putting together your playlist. And it says here, the uh, one, two, one, one of the points is ingrain songs into your memory. Once you have a song that works at a certain place in time, it puts you into a flow mindset precisely when you want, start using it then. Play it where you, when you are in the targeted situation and play it several times to start ingraining it into your memory. So it becomes like a mantra. goes on to say this step will help make effects like entering flow and all the others automatic. That is, your brain will start to enter flow or one of the other effects as it recognizes the targeted situation for instance, your day is over and you're heading home. This is why after just a few days of training, you can already hear the song playing in your head before you even turn on your iPod, MP3, or CD player. Your brain is already going right where you want it to. So this is how you can do this with intention. But how often have we thought about the thing, the, mu the place where we go to that... We did not intend, but it's there. So maybe if we're having some challenges with aggressive thoughts and aggressive behaviors, road rage, maybe we might want to consider changing our musical environment in those situations, and perhaps it will change our response not only to being stuck in traffic, but also to other people, and perhaps even to ourselves, because I think whenever we lose our temper, or at least some of us, we don't always feel very happy with ourselves after we've done that. And so this way we don't have to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so, I, I wish I wouldn't have, you know, made that gesture to the person uh, beside me that, you know, cut me off. They're just trying to get into the lane so they can get off the freeway. It's not personal. So some things to think about intentional listening intentional internalization of music and lyrics i am tani tenuville this is kuci 88.9 fm in irvine coming up in just a few moments writers on writing everything you want to know about getting published this show will be up on podcast i hope uh, a little later today and hopefully Unless something else really pressing comes up, we will talk a little bit more about this next week. Maybe have a yoga teacher on or a doctor or one of the authors from one of these wonderful books. So little continuation of mindful listening and mindful internalization of peace. So with that, I'm going to leave you with one of my favorite songs from a State of Grace called Turning to Peace. And until next week, Alin Selalumin Amentielvo, a star shines on the hour of our meeting. And this is KUCI in Irvine, the best radio station in the history of the universe. <laughs>